What's up? It's Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, take time to chill. The summer of football. All you can ask for is another opportunity to play this game. It burns in me. On ESPN 1000. We don't know how many we got. I don't know how many I got. Make it count, boys. Mahomes flushed out again. Turning the corner. Fires downfield. Caught. Touchdown. Only Mahomes. You throw the score and run to win. Here's Saquon Barkley. And he's off to the races. The 30. The 20. Saquon for six. The summer of football at eight. Here's a quick throw to Miller. Good throw. Touchdown. Fake to Armstrong. Run. Book five. Burrow's got time, launching for the end zone, jump ball, touchdown, Terrence Marshall. The Summer of Football with Jonathan Hood. Yeah, that's my dog. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. The Summer of Football, 2020 edition of the Summer of Football. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So glad you're with us every night that I'm on for Under the Hood. At 8 o'clock, we give you something football. Could be something college. Could be something pro. Could be something fantasy. Could be something gambling uh, when it comes to the NFL. We start. We decided to start off really, really hot with a Super Bowl champion, the Purdue Boilermaker and NFL analyst, Bernard Pollard, he joins me, Jonathan Hood, here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Bernard, Jonathan Hood, thanks so much for your time. Jay Hood, what's up, baby? You know what's up, man. The NFL, I I mean, you are the first one I want to call because the NFL season is right around the corner. Hey, man, hey, let's let's, let's make it happen. What you want to hear? We we need to get this thing going. So we got some drama. Yeah, well, yeah. You know what? I'll ask you this, like, when you think about the season that's upcoming, BP, what what stands out as far as the storyline? Something you're looking forward to seeing as soon as the season starts? You know what, Jay? I think one of the biggest things as I um, as I look at this season as, as this upcoming season, I I still think um, with the pandemic and everything that we're in, I look at it as teams should be doing more. And I understand that, that we have a CBA uh, in, uh, in order that, that's stopping some things, some potential things that could be happening. I want to see teams – I mean, we know and understand that NFL teams are going to try to play this, this season. They're, they want to go. And, you know, with teams knowing that some players have COVID and not understanding if other players may not have it or may have it, I think teams need to get guys in right now and that means they're going to have to pay them to get them from their families. I think we want to have a successful season. Uh, we need to get those guys in so we can make sure our stay healthy and stay free as we get ready to play. But also think, too, we need to put borders. Uh, there need to be clear glass borders or plastic borders at the lower bowl of each stadium. Uh, and, and when we look at the indoors, I think it's kind of crazy, but those outdoors I think would be fine. It's, just, it's a lot to freaking talk about with this. It is. I mentioned earlier – that it's clear that the sports teams, I'm sure some of the players are on board, but I'm talking about owners and commissioners of sport, want to be able to jam these sports in um, 
as if it's normal. It's 2020, Bernard. This is not normal. I mean, because <laughs> as physical as the NFL is with coronavirus, which is a real thing going on, it's going to be difficult to have your entire roster uh, healthy. Uh, key players, bench players, guys on a practice squad. I mean, uh, this is uh, quite the undertaking, is it not? Well, it, it definitely is. But I think, too, this is where, you know, as far as your preparation and, you know, opening up potential rosters. Because, look, I, I, it might sound insensitive to talk about, but I'm one of them dudes. I've been in the locker room. I've been in this league. I understand what it is. These owners want to make money. They want stadiums filled. They understand people are still going to come to games. Even if you get, you know, uh, if the stadium's also, you're still getting some type of revenue. So they want to play. So I think if we're if if we want to move in that direction, we need to expand some rosters, and that means, as I said before, when we look at the CBA, there are some things in the CBA that's, that's causing them not to be able to make a couple moves because of that 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 language in that uh, contract. <clears throat> so we're going to have to break some things uh, in order to get a successful. Um, you know, because guys are going to come down with it at, at the end of the day. So we need to figure out how to expand. We need to figure out how to, to, to coaching is going to have to be better. Uh, our, our training uh, staff, they're going to have to be on it because I think we're going to see more injuries that we've seen in the past this year. Bernard Pollard, Super Bowl champion with me, Jonathan Hood, on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app as we do summer of football. So how difficult do you believe it is for some of these players not to be able to have that hands-on with coaches? A lot of Zoom meetings, a lot of conversation, but it's nothing like being able to go one-on-one with your teammate get in, pre- in preparation for the season, right? Well, I mean, look, I'm going to be 100% honest, as I tell you all the time, I tell other people. When we, when we look at the coaching, the coaching really not – they're not affecting uh, the players. You know, guys in the NFL, you got guys whose sons coach or guys who friends coach. So this is a buddy-buddy league. So the coaches really – you got superior talent on the football field. All you got to do is show them, okay, we want to install a couple plays. We want you to run it like this. Again, it's about getting reps. So you don't, you know, so we want to get, um, I think, getting in, being around the position, you need to get them under the strength and conditioning coach to get, get them running. But I think those reps on a football field, these mini camps and these OTAs that guys are missing, uh, the veteran mini camps, this t- precious time that will be missed, this is why I say the injuries are going to, I think the injuries are going to be at an all time high simply because as I see a lot of guys training right now, a lot of guys are sprinting. Well, you can run already. We need to get game type uh, movements. We need quick movements, like 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 it was game time. So, but, so a lot of these trainers are out here training these kids, or training these players, and they're not training them the right way. So it's crazy. I uh, I'm wondering about your old team, the Baltimore Ravens, after that fourteen and two season. And I heard what Lamar Jackson said. Lamar said, uh, you know, we weren't really focused on that playoff game that we had. I wish he wouldn't have said that. I mean, uh, I mean, it's cool to be honest. I just wish he wouldn't have said that because I don't want any fuel for that young man. I don't want people trying to say, like, he's the team's not focused or he's not focused because he's so young. He's got such a, a, a great, I, I believe, a future ahead of him. But what do you think of the Ravens, what they did last year, and whether or not they can be able to capitalize on that 14-2 mark? Well, I, I think last year was a special year. I think, you know, as we look at what Lamar Jackson did uh, on the ground, 
uh, as far as running and, 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 you know, throwing the ball some. Uh, I am not particularly uh, high on him as a quarterback, I, 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 and that's just me. As a guy who I've watched film, I played this game. I think he is a, I think he is a spectacular athlete. But when I look at it now, teams have a full off season and some to prepare for this offense, what they they did not see. Um, so they have a full uh, off season and some to 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 come in and play against the Baltimore Ravens. We got to look at the AFC North where. He played without a Ben Roethlisberger. He played, you know, where where the Cleveland Browns got in their own way. Uh, them jokers sucked it up bad. And then we look <laughs> at the Bengals where they just awful. Like, so you got to hope, you know, and I don't know if the Bengals going to make noise with that young quarterback. He's going to see things he ain't never seen before. But I think when you look at all of the teams that they're going to play outside of their division, I don't see the same success that we that we saw last year. I don't see that happening in 2020. Another big storyline here in the offseason, Bernard, is Cam Newton and him not having a job. And I just kind of knew after hosting some shows and just kind of looking at the merry-go-round of quarterbacks that were available, I said, you know, somebody's not going to have a job when this ends. Like somebody is not going to be able to be in a position. And I really thought that was going to be Jameis. And it ends up being Cam Newton at this point in time because Jameis now is a second or third string in New Orleans, depending on how you look at it with uh, with Taysom Hill. <laughs> but, but Cam like here's what I don't know if you can help me is is cam healthy enough to even be a starter for for one of these teams that ankle I need to know if that's 100 percent if it is how come no one's picked up the phone I, I think that I think his his uh and I've heard his health is perfectly fine I think what we're looking at now is do you want to bring that attitude in your locker room uh, the film that's being watched to him by scouts and by coaches, you, and I mean, even when I watch the film, and I'm not a scout, I'm not a coach, but I've been around this league and I see things, you see a, a lackadaisical attitude with him. And I mean, it, it was it was a telltale sign for me when Coach, uh, when coach Ron, he traded for uh, the other kid. He didn't even, I'm so Kyle. He, he traded for him and did not trade for, for Cam Newton. And he drafted him, what, number one overall? So that tells us a lot. So that we're either seeing he doesn't want to deal with that attitude, um, he, or some something's wrong here. And I think you know right now, Cameron, this is going to be a time where it, this is some of that humble pie he's, he's going to have to eat. I think at some point in week four, five, or six that he's going to get a, a, a phone call to come in and potentially compete um, if, if we see some injuries. But the way the league going, bro, I don't see any quarterback getting injured unless they do what Allen doing out in Buffalo and just take off one and taking hits for no freaking reason. Bernard Pollard, the Super Bowl champion, NFL analyst with me, Jonathan Hood, on Summer of Football on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Okay, so I'm going to roll it out there. I haven't talked to, uh, about it yet, but I need to talk to you about it um, for the first time. I look at the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as, and you took on Tom Brady, so you can, I mean, you you know you know how great he is because you've been on the other side, man. I, I just don't see like this um, juggernaut of a team coming out this season. I think that Brady and the Buccaneers will be very similar to what we saw from Cleveland this past year, where it's baby steps. Like I, I you can't go from zero to a hundred just because Brady's there. Because that's a forty four, forty five year old Brady who's savvy but still needs that offensive line to help him uh, and needs the weapons. It's, I think it's going to be a complete culture shock for Brady being with Tampa. I think there's going to be struggles in year one for that. How do you see Brady in Tampa? You can eat all the grass you want. At the end of the day, This we're about to see a 43 or 44-year-old man 
trying to play in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. I think, I, me personally, I think this is going to be a hit on his legacy. I know and understand he is getting a payday going to Tampa, but I, I don't think Jameis Winston got enough credit um, of what he, what he did in Tampa. We all know he threw the interceptions, but I look at the coaching staff when we look at Jameis Winston and, and, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know this man potentially can throw the team a couple, uh, the other team, some balls. So take that dog on his attempts down. Quit letting him throw the ball 50 times a game. So we understand Tom Brady potentially could throw the ball 40 to 50 times a game. But at the end of the day, Jameis Winston's legs got him out of a lot of predicaments where the offensive line or those young receivers and tight ends didn't make plays. So I just – I I – 100%, I believe this is going to be a hit on, on Brady's legacy. Um, I think we're going to see an old man that struggles in Tampa Bay. Everybody is putting him at the top, and I do agree with you. A lot of people have talked about them like they talk about like they talked about the Cleveland uh, Browns. I do not see it. I still see the New Orleans Saints um, as a team to, as a team to beat in the NFC South. Uh, I just don't see the smoke coming out of Tampa like everybody talking. You know, BP, you could have got like five or six interceptions against Jameis. I mean, <laughs> you would have been in a position to get to get it because I, I mean, he was thirty. For, he was thirty for thirty, man. He was like thirty touchdowns, thirty interceptions. <laughs> he was. I mean, Jay Hood. I mean, at the end of the day, that's Coach, that's Coach Arians' fault. You yeah. you know this man throws the ball to the other team in certain situations, and I I gotta say too, I watched a few of their games from beginning to end. Some of those interceptions were not his fault. So if I say I can possibly say seven or eight of them was not his fault, but the other ones, that's the, that's on a coaching staff. You cannot let that man go out there and, and throw the ball like that. But at the same time, as I said before, that is a young athletic football team. But I, and I don't see that the young boys are going to buy into Tom Brady yelling at them like he yelled at the guys in New England because that was his team in New England. This is not his team. These young boys don't know how to win. They don't know how to carry themselves uh, the right way 100% of the time. And I don't know if a 43, 44-year-old man going to be able to go in there and just dictate like he was able to do in New England. Okay, lastly, and I appreciate your time. Boy, let me tell you something. You've got a whole new audience with this NASCAR piece. (laughs) Let me tell you something, Fort Wayne. You have really been able to get people – um, to rally around you as you learn more about NASCAR. For people that don't know, you can follow uh, Bernard Pollard uh, on Twitter at CrushBoy31, especially if you're a NASCAR fan. Here's why. BP is asking people on on Twitter about NASCAR and trying to get into the sport and learn more about the sport. We just talked about Bubba Wallace in our previous segment here. Um, so I want to know where your interest started because now, as I follow you, now even I learn more about the sport because people are giving the basics and the in in trying to teach like everybody what's going on with the sport. So where did it start for you, Jay Hood? I mean, as you know, growing up, you know, we we had a basketball, football, or potential you know uh, track spikes in our in our hands or in our face uh, growing up. NASCAR was never a thing. Uh, driving a car or a go kart. We ain't had the money for a go-kart. Mm-hmm. I tell people now, I'm 35 years old. I don't know how to swim because I was never around water like that. You know, so 
you know, looking at this, I was, uh, my wife was actually watching CNN and I walked through and Don Lemon had said something about bubble. We're going to have bubble Wallace on and, you know, bubble Wallace started talking. And I turned around. I, I just, like I said, like I said before, I was like, that's a brother. I go, NASCAR got a brother driving. <laughs> so I think that, that intrigued me. Uh, but then too, being, being 35 and, and me knowing and understanding that football has been my life. Um, uh, I wanted to learn new things. And so getting an opportunity, I was just like, you know what? I want to be all in to learn this sport. And I don't want to be in to be a Bubba Wallace fan because he's a black driver or this or that. No, I am a fan of every single driver. I, I, I don't have a favorite football team because I played the game at a high level and I understand it. So I wanted to learn about NASCAR. I am intrigued about what makes these drivers, what, what makes them good? What makes them good? How, why? Do they, some guys have certain sponsors, other guys don't. Why, or, or, you know, why, how do the pit crew works and turns and this and that. And so I'm just really intrigued. And I've loved it the last, I want to say month. This has been an eye-opening experience for me. Um, and, you know, just to be able to just learn it and, and be able to talk to different type of people. Uh, for them to be able to see, too, you know, football players are, we can articulate things. Um, yes, we do come up in a, 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 in a, in hoods and things of that nature, but we want to know things just, we want to know about different athletes. We want to know about different sports and the, the NASCAR fans have been outstanding. They've been amazing. And I'm truly blessed to be able to be a part of this. And it's been so much fun. And NASCAR has been doing some great things. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's interesting. Again, you could follow uh, Bernard at crush boy of 31 because you you are teaching me the sport. I'm living vicariously through you as people are answering your <laughs> questions. You're watching the race and you're trying to figure out how come, you know, why is there a caution flag? How come they just can't just get to racing? Like these are good. These are questions of people that's trying to learn the sport. And this is what I said about Bubba Wallace. I said, here's a guy here that's trying to bring everybody on the tent, which is not a bad thing. You're trying to grow sure. the sport. It is, it is the most racially divisive sport there is NASCAR because people saw Confederate flags. People didn't feel, some people didn't feel comfortable. Others did. And so I just think in order to grow the sport and for it to be more popular, Bernard, you want to be able to bring everybody and say, let me show you the sport. Let me tell you how this is a great time, all that stuff. And I, I think that's a good thing. I mean, NASCAR should not be a country club. It should be inclusive to everybody for it to grow and be popular. I agree hundred percent. And I think right now, if we look at it, you probably got more black people intrigued about racing now because you see, you know, because they are cheering for uh, the bubble wallets, but then at the same time, they're seeing guys, you know, do different things, but then they're also seeing NASCAR welcome, welcome um, so many different uh, uh, rules and, or, 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 or people. And they're getting rid of uh, the flag and, you know, they're, they're welcoming these people. And so I think more people are, are comfortable with saying, you know what, I did watch like five laps and that, you know, I was able to hear the commentary and, and to understand some stuff and, uh, you know, so, you know, to see that what happened this past weekend, to see the guys rally behind uh, Bubba Wallace and just to walk him out with his car, pushing his car or whatever. I thought that was an awesome thing to do. Um, you know, I'm not going to get on, uh, you know, about what was found and people saying there was a lie and this and that. Look, at the end of the day, man, I think what's happening right now are bringing people together. I think the, the, the I think NASCAR is doing a great job as far as, you know, bringing people in. Uh, people of color in to run things, put them in position to run things. So I, I like what's going on, man. 
as much as we go to the theater to watch uh, the Fast and the Furious, we should be into racing. I, I, <laughs> much money is that we've all spent on Vin Diesel? Why can't everyone can't get into that? All, and all those motorcycle races up and down the the highway, of course. Uh, we, we're yes, in the speed, so why not, right? Um, I'm glad that you spent some time with me, man. I'm looking forward to the season. Hope to talk to you closer to the season starting. Hey, Jason, appreciate you having me, brother. All right, it's Bernard Pollard. He's a Super Bowl champion uh, and NFL analyst with us here on Under the Hood. Coming up next, are, are the Bears, from their roster standpoint, are the Bears top 10 in the NFL, top 15, uh, top 20? roster versus others in the nfl i guess not next on uth this is under the hood with jonathan hood on espn 1000 chicago's home for sports under the hood with jonathan hood follow on twitter at tweet j hood good to hear from bernard pollard work with him on the network side Fort Wayne Dome, Purdue Boilermaker, great sense of humor, and, and he was the bone crusher when he played <laughs> the Purdue Boilermaker with us. Hope they get a chance to talk to him again soon. Um, and a NASCAR fan, as you just heard in our conversation. Uh, we're going to have Tales from the Hood coming up right around the corner as uh, Davis and I will redraft the 2001 NBA draft. So if you uh, have a computer or on your phone, pull up uh, the 2001 NBA draft. We will redraft the Eddie Curry, Tyson Chandler draft. Okay, we do this once a week. Uh, there's no sports, so we re- do some redrafting. And so this is what we this is what we do, and we're going to do the 2001 draft. So take a look at that and follow along with us coming up in our next segment right here on UTH. And of course, we got Andre Snellings, our guy from uh, ESPN.com Analytics Maven. He's going to laugh at us and tell us where we were wrong in our picks as we redraft the top 10 uh, for the 2001 draft very uh, quickly. I'll get to this and. I'll probably get to this tomorrow as well because I love a list, right? Ah, who doesn't love a list? It's great conversation. ESPN.com 2020 NFL roster rankings for all 32 teams. Uh, So the number one team as far as roster ranking, and we're talking about this is pro football focus, their database. They're taking a look at the grades they have for rosters, the strengths of these rosters. So the number one, team as far as roster strength is the Baltimore Ravens. We just talked about Lamar Jackson. BP in our last segment said he's not a big fan of Lamar Jackson, sees holes in his game from his eyes as a former safety in the NFL. So um, the Ravens are number one on this list. Lamar Jackson, we know his unique skill. We just know that a strong offensive line. Calais Campbell now part of that team, so we know that Baltimore is pretty strong. Tight end and Andrews run the ball well with Ingram and Dobbins, so they're good. The Saints are second as far as roster composition, top to bottom. Who has the best rosters in the NFL? The Saints are number two on this list. Drew Brees, Kamara running the football, Michael Thomas is a wide receiver, Davis at the linebacker position. San Francisco's third, the third best roster. Garoppolo's a quarterback, George Kittle at tight end, Sherman at a corner, Mosley at a corner spot. They are as balanced a team as you'll find in the NFL. So the 49ers are third. So, of course, when I saw this earlier, I'm like, okay, so where are the Bears? Actually, like every time I do our list, I'm looking for the Bears, right? So Ravens, Saints, 49ers are third. Chiefs are fourth, and Chiefs just won the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes, we know the story, right? I don't have to go through uh, how good Kelsey and Hill are as far as uh, offensive weapons. Schwartz at the right tackle. Um, 
Tampa Bay Buccaneers are fifth. Now, Davis, once again, and I saw this list, it had Tampa. If Tampa was fifth, how come they weren't the fifth best roster last year with Jameis? It's all about the quarterback, right? He made that much of a difference. He's 45. (laughs) See what I'm saying? But that's the narrative. See, but that's... That's what the NFL wants going into this season. How come there wasn't that kind of hype for Vinny Testaverde when he played when he was 44? I'm just, I'm just saying, like, okay, so, and, I, and believe me, I'm saying that with tongue-in-cheek, but, but we're talking about Tom Brady in his mid-40s here, not Tom Brady in his prime, but that's fine. Brady steps in, and now the Buccaneers are fifth-best roster. Disagree. Cowboys are sixth. So Davis's Cowboys are sixth, and I, I like that. I think the Cowboys are a top-10 team for sure. Um, Prescott will be signed. Four years or five years. Elliott running the football. Bills are seventh. Titans are eighth. Eagles are ninth. And Steelers are tenth. So that's your top ten. So I'm saying, where's the Bears, right? Where are the Bears? Browns are eleventh. So here's what's tripped out. And again, as we move forward during our summer of football segments, we'll break this down even further. I just want to give you a little flavor of this column from ESPN.com. So Davis, if the Browns are eleventh, how come they didn't play like the eleventh best roster last year? The quarterback, right? It always falls on the quarterback. I mean, the offensive line was atrocious last year. We know that. Yeah. That's when you see a quarterback struggling, look at the offensive line, and usually there's nothing but holes or cracks in the wall in front of them. And then the defense was just undisciplined. And then you had Divas on the outside. Jarvis Landry was solid. But, I mean, what did you get from Beckham? Did see. you get what you thought you were going to get when you traded for him from, uh, from New York? I don't think so. Let me just say this. Let me just tell you this. And I'll probably end up saying this again as we get closer to the season, but let me just say this. <clears throat> if the Browns are not a playoff team or at least 8 and 8, not, you know, 9 and 7, then they're going to get rid of Baker Mayfield. Like you can't just keep firing coaches because you think Baker's the man. If the Browns truly are the 11th best roster in the NFL, then they've got to part with this guy and find a veteran quarterback. That's for real. I mean, you got Chubb and Hunt running the football. There's, you've got solid at the tight end. You got a good, you got a really solid defense. So at some point, the quarterback is the problem. You went to the quarterback, but the quarterback in this situation is the problem. So, Packers twelfth, Colts thirteen, Broncos fourteen, Seahawks fifteenth, and I'm like, where are the Bears? Chargers seventeenth, Vikings are seventeenth on this list. Uh, Chargers sixteen, Vikings seventeen, Patriots are eighteenth, even without Tom Brady. Uh, 19 is Detroit. 20 is the Falcons. So I just gave you top 20 right there. Wait a there. minute. Hold up. 19th is who? The Lion. <laughs> so Matt Stafford. Yeah, Kerryon Johnson, DeAndre Swift running the football. And listen, you you take a team with Galladay, Jones, Amendola, you know, as far as your wide receivers, right? Decent defense, a good, you know, good enough defense. 19th. I think I named all the teams in the NFC North. Did I not? You did. 20th is the Falcons. Then we get to 21st, and there are the Bears. Bears not even t- top 20 as far as a roster. And here, here's what's tripped out about this. And we got to get to uh, tails in just a moment. I just want to point this out, Davis. So here's the strengths of the team. We've gone over this. Akeem Hicks, a healthy Akeem Hicks. Uh, Khalil Mack. I should start with Mack. But Hicks, Mack. Robert Quinn as pass rushers. Those three, right? Yeah. Roquan Smith, I say, is going to be a decade-long quality linebacker for the Bears. 
and we haven't seen the best of him yet. Trevathan, a veteran. Kyle Fuller, one of the best guys in the secondary in the NFL. Uh, and Eddie Jackson at safety. Those are, that's the strength of the team. Other side, Allen Robinson is a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. Debatable, yeah. Top 10. Yeah. I didn't say I was going to say five, but that's that's too strong. I'll say 10. And if Robinson's 10, then that's still top 10. That's still top 10, yeah. <laughs> Right? Okay, so weakness on the offensive line. Definitely. Jimmy Graham is a problem at tight end. Uh, we don't know what the what the running back spot will look like with Montgomery and Cohen. And then your quarterback, they have listed here Nick Foles and not even Trubisky. So not even the strength of the team, the defense, is enough to carry the Bears to be in the, on this list. Not even top 20. 21. That's a problem. So Stafford basically lifts the Lions above the Bears. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's crazy and that also says what happens in Vegas because people believe that the Lions will have like this resurgence Bears last place in the NFC North that better not happen everybody will get fired hey 4-12 and 12 is a prediction and I try to encourage Bears fans Hood 4-12 and 12 would be that bad when you got Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence staring you in the face <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> You can't squatter another defense. I my heart can't take it. I can't take another one of these. <laughs> like you, once again, you're built on a strong defense, and you're four twelve, five and eleven. That won't work, man. I can't take that. Not again. How many years have we have we dealt with that? How long have you been here? Forty some years. Yeah, that's how long we've been looking at it. <laughs> been looking at it the same. Been looking at like the same black and white TV for forty some years. A bad Bears football. I mean, I've been sitting watching Bears, bad Bears football for so long. I haven't even changed the TV. It's still the same TV I watched. The same Sears floor models from seventy seven. I've been watching. That's no good. All right, coming up. So we'll talk more about this as we move forward uh, this week. But twenty first. And we got a poll question at ESPN 1000 on Twitter about this and where the, the Bears roster versus everyone else in the NFL. You know, do you think it's top 10, you know, 10 to 20, 21st through 32nd? Uh, you know, so we're getting your thoughts on that as well. Jacksonville, by the way, is last in this list. I'm looking at this. Yep, Jacksonville's last. All right, coming up, Tales from the Hood as we redraft the 2001 NBA draft. Pull it up. Take a look at the 2001 draft. Who is the number one pick uh, that year. Is it Tyson Chandler? Is it Eddie Curry? Find out next. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is Chicago's home for sports. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. What do you got there? This is your car. My car? I said a 10-second car, not a 10-minute car. Pop the hood. Pop the hood? Pop the hood. Tales from the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Here we go. Time for Tales from the Hood, stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between. Follow me on Snapchat at SnapJHood. I see you guys on Snapchat sending me messages throughout our show so do we always uh, promote our instagram igjhood 
Twitter at Twitter.com, TweetJHood, but also on Snapchat. Uh, follow me on Snapchat at SnapJHood, and I will follow you right back. Okay, so this is what uh, Davis and I do. Um, because, yeah, it's no sports, but we can look at the 2001 NBA draft. We have redrafted a number of these NBA drafts, and why is because we try to figure out which would be the better bull than what uh, J- the late Jerry Krause chose. Um, and so... <laughs> So let's take a look at this draft, Sean. So this is the Tyson and Eddie draft. Tyson Chandler, Eddie Curry was uh, drafted here. Zach Randolph's in this draft. Shane Battier, Samuel D'Alembert's in this draft. Kwame Brown's in this draft. Uh, Gilbert Arenas, uh, Lauren Woods is in this draft. Who else stands out here? Uh, Bobby Simmons is in this draft from DePaul. Uh, So it's, it's interesting names here. Uh, the number one pick in the draft was Kwame Brown, and I think we could do better than that, even though he was in the league 12 years. All right, Sean, are you ready? Let's get it popping. Okay, so. A lot of this is behind the scenes or under the hood. As we redraft the 2001 draft, my first selection as we do the redraft, Kwame Brown was selected first from Washington. I say the best player in the 2001 draft is Powell Gasol. We agree. Number one overall, the yeah. Spaniard. I definitely have to give it to Powell. Seventeen points a game, eighteen years in the league. Is he still in the league, by the way? Doesn't he have? A, isn't he latching on to another team? As they say, he still he's still yet holding on. Okay, so yeah. thank thank you, Reverend. <laughs> Seventeen points a game. Uh, uh, you know, win shares on one one forty four point one. Ah, man, just a, a player that just has lasted the test of time. Paul Gasol is the best player in this two thousand one. NBA draft. As we redraft and look at the number two pick, you know what? I'm going to go all the way down to the bottom of the first round. Mm. I'm going to take Tony Parker. I think Tony Parker was just that vital to the San Antonio Spurs. I remember when he was drafted, I think it surprised him. He was in the back of the room. It was like running down like like four or five flights of stairs to try to get to the stage because I don't think he thought he was going to be drafted uh, at the time he was. Yeah. So I, I think for the 18 years he put in, Parker vital as a player for the Spurs. I, I'm going to take him second yeah, uh, I think to uh, the Clippers. Tony's the clear choice. I did debate for a second another player's pinnacle. Like at his pinnacle, he was probably a better player than Tony Parker, but just the overall resume for Tony Parker, I had to give it to him. He goes number two. Who's your third pick? My third pick is going to be just because I love this guy, man. Zebo Zach Randolph is my number three pick. Hmm. Yeah, Zach Randolph is my number three pick. Hmm. So Zebo to Atlanta with that number three pick. Yep. Huh? Hmm. I took Gilbert Arenas. I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> I had Gilbert right there. It was either Gilbert or Zach. I have Gilbert going fourth. So I have the Bulls taking Tony Parker. You have Tony Parker, and I have Gilbert Arenas going to the Bulls at number four. Okay. Um, you know what? There's there's a, needs to be a documentary on, on Gilbert Arenas. There's something. Hibachi mis- is buck wild, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is the, but isn't that the case? I had I, I used that today to grill some steaks. I, I, I just, I really think that he, you know what, Sean? There's something missing with his career. Like I don't think we saw enough. We didn't see the best of him. We saw some really good action from him. I just always thought he had more to give and just yeah, the middle of late two, uh, the middle to late two thousands. That 
That Wizards-Cavs rivalry in the playoffs gave us some great basketball. There was Braun against Arenas, and they both played great in both of those series. This should have been more. It should have been more. The knee injury definitely took a lot from him and took a lot from his game, and he was never the same. But uh, unfortunately, his mouth kept going as if he was a superstar. So So who did you take it for? At four, I had Gilbert Arenas. So I had Powell, Tony Parker, Zach Randolph, and then Gilbert going to the Bulls. I took mid-range shorty. I took Joe Johnson at four. That's what's up. I have Joe Johnson. I have Joe Johnson going fifth. Okay. Yeah. Joe Johnson with a nice 17-year career, still getting it done, I believe, uh, at the, for the big three. If I'm not big mistaken, three MVP. Yeah. <laughs> Iso Joe. Fifth, I took Tyson Chandler. Hmm. Now, don't do that now. Come on now. now don't do that. Now, Tyson Chandler still getting it done, 19 years in the league. Now, coming in when he was, a, was with the Bulls, you didn't think that he would be anything, him and Eddie, right? Right. Tyson carved himself a nice niche as a rebounder, pogo stick, kind of uh, uh, kind of an energy guy. Yeah. 19 years in the league. And you get his win shares. It's the third best, I believe, in the NBA for this year. You almost convinced me, but no. What's wrong with Tyson Chandler? No, I have him in my top 10. I just don't have him at that spot. Why why can't Tyson Chandler be a top five pick? No. Why? He can. You made him one, but I'm not saying, for me. Well, I'll say why. Nah. What's wrong with him? Come on. It took about four four or five years for him to really find his niche in the NBA. Let's be got, real. But he got there. He did get there. It's he not did spectac- get there. It's not spectacular. And the person I have at this spot just happened to be playing with one of the best point guards in the NBA when he came into the league. So that made him a lot better. But look, I'm going to go ahead and take Richard Jefferson ahead of Tyson Chandler. I can't argue there. Okay, <laughs> solid player. Yeah, I got, nobody, I got nothing against uh, Richard Jefferson. And then I have Tyson Chandler at six. At six, yes. I took Zebo at six. Oh, you got Zebo that low? That's pretty. That's not bad. I mean, he's in the top ten. You know, it, and again, if I took him five and took Chandler six, it's you'd still be good with it, right? Like, yeah. It's like, like Zebo, look, I got Paul, I got uh, Paul Gasol, Tony Parker, Gilbert Arenas, Joe Johnson, and Zebo, who had a, a really solid career out of Michigan State, 17 uh, years in the league, and contributed mightily to those 50 plus win teams for Memphis. He was the face of Memphis, was he not? Yeah, he was. So, okay. The Grindhouse. Those are good teams. They, they had just, him and Pal Gasol. There was always a ceiling to their success. I'm mean, not like, Pal Gasol. They had his brother Mark Gasol. I mean, there was always a ceiling to their success. Memphis, yes. right? Yes. It, they'd just be very difficult to knock out of the playoffs. You can get them out, but you you'd have to go through a lot of hell to get them out of the playoffs. Yeah. Jason Richardson is seventh on my list. You have him seventh. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna. I got Pal, then Tony, Zach, Gilbert. Joe Johnson, and then I have Richard Jefferson, and then I have Tyson Chandler. Okay. Yeah. All right. What do you think of Jason Richardson's career? Another Michigan State guy, 13 years. Two-time NBA slam dunk champion. Uh, I think he had some really good years, solid years with Golden State. If he had developed that jump shot, it's always interesting that someone as athletic as, as him, where would his game fit in today's NBA? That's that's an interesting question. Yeah, where would he fit in today's NBA? Because you always wanted him to develop that outside game, and he just never quite did. 
At eight, I have Richard Jefferson. Okay. At eight, I'm going to throw Shane Battier there. All right. Yeah. Now, there's a guy, again, solid player, found his niche. Not not a soft Duke player. No. <laughs> no, not at all. Not soft. Um, that was my was Miami Heat teams. Yeah, he was solid. Yeah. Solid on a defensive end, three and D when it came into Vogue with the Miami Heat. So, yeah, very solid career with Shane Battier. He should be in somebody's front office as a GM. Yeah. Not 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 a, as an underling. I mean, like a like running an organization. He's a smart guy. Uh, Gerald Wallace is ninth on my list. Same here. Gerald Wallace sneaks in at number nine. Solid. Just yeah, a good solid player. Solid. Out of Alabama, 14 years in the league. And uh, 10 is uh, Battier for me. And 10 is Richardson for me. Okay. Yeah. And we're good. Yep. So how come you get, uh, as we bring in Andre Snellings from ESPN.com, or, or who's going to laugh at us about our list here, so you couldn't get Trent, you couldn't get Trent Hassel in? You couldn't? No, Trent Hassel is no way. <laughs> Trent Hassel is making this list. Are you serious? You couldn't get a you couldn't get a Collins brother in. Doesn't that make you mad that Trent Hassel was the pick right before Gilbert Arenas? Yeah, that's just. I mean, so you went, so you went to Austin P and went to, to Trent Hassel over Gilbert Arenas, who was lighting up Arizona. Absolutely, for real. Surprise! Brian Scalabrini wasn't uh, selected right there. Scalabrini is also in this draft in the second round. That's a Jerry Krause pick. <laughs> <laughs> Dre, what, what do you think of what we came up with it for this 2001 Tyson and Eddie uh, Kwame Brown draft? You know, for the most part, I wasn't mad at y'all's order of pick. I was telling Sean you know, off the air that in memory, the 2001 draft was horrible. You know, but, you know, as a look at it and go out of order, there were some really good players. Like, this was a much better draft than the 2000 draft. And, yeah, Pal Gasol, I mean, he's a clear Hall of Famer at the top. Y'all had Tony Parker, number two. I wasn't mad at that. I think I might have I might have had Joe Johnson a little higher um, just because I'm not sure that if you put Parker on a random team that he would have been better than, than, say, Joe Johnson was. He just happened to be on the team with Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili. Um, but, uh, but no, there was some really good – y'all mentioned Battier just on the analytics front because that's kind of my forte. Yes. You know, Battier was – he's kind of among players one of the fathers of, of, of modern analytics. You know, as a player, he would pay attention to those things and he would use them in his game. And it came across. If you look at the, the plus-minus stats, I was going through and, and um, kind of looking at the best five-year uh, window for all the players in this draft. And Battier finished higher than 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 everyone else uh, on, on, on in the plus minus uh, out of this draft. It was Battier, Parker was next, and then like Pal Gasol and Tyson Chandler were right there. And speaking of that, Tyson Chandler, that man. I mean, I know he didn't he didn't do it in Chicago, but he has a career that is like just a notch out of Hall of Fame, which is kind of crazy to say. But he's a Defensive Player of the Year. He's a champion. He was a leader on that team. Three-time All-Defense. He made All-NBA. I mean, he actually put a really good career together. He would have been worthy as of a top-four pick had he stayed in Chicago. Who are you talking about, Tyson? Yeah, Tyson Chandler. I mean, his, he, he ended up putting up together a really, really good career. Now, I don't know that he yeah. would fit in today's NBA, you know, because he couldn't shoot. But for the era he was in, he put together a really strong career. You know what he could have been? He could have been Ryan if he if he had the dunking ability, just easy, you know, high percentage shots. He could have been Ryan Hollins. Well, he was way better than Ryan Hollins. 
I mean, oh, 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 like Ryan was cool, but he wasn't that, you know. And oh. so, so I mean, I'm just saying, like Tyson, you know, there's a reason he was All NBA. Like he, he's a really good player, um, and you know, like uh, I appreciate what Ryan could do. And I stood next to that brother. I, I mean, he a foot taller than me, you know. What I'm saying I appreciate <laughs> what he made of himself. But Tyson Chandler is one of the best players, you know. He, he's legitimately one of the better players in NBA history, and, and it's an interesting, the interesting thing to say based on how his career started. Um, and the other thing I had to get in here, I'm not sure how much time we got, but uh, my man uh, Dre Hutt, Andre Hudson, second rounder. He, you know, he don't deserve to be in anybody's top ten, but he went to Troutwood Madison High School. He's two years younger than me. We were the two Andres, so you know, I'm gonna have to give him a shout out whether he, he deserved to be in the top ten or not. You're just ridiculous. Uh, so tell I'm me, <laughs> tell me, Andre Snelling's about. Um, you know, uh, you know, st- steady, solid players. See, as you mentioned, there's some depth to this draft. Like solid players, like Mehmet Okur, like like Okur's yeah. there. Nice, right? Nice quality <laughs> player for for some years. <laughs> when you said Okur, I thought you were about to go into like Kim Kardashian. Didn't even get that high pitched Okur or whatever. But O-Kur? yeah, I mean, there was a bunch of cats. Even like Kwame Brown was, you know, as you mentioned, he was a solid player for more than a decade. Sagana Jop, you know, he, he contributed to a championship-level Mavericks team. You had the Collins brothers, um, Bobby Sibbins, Andres Nocioni, you know, Coors, Samuel Dallenbear, Brendan Haywood. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, there were a lot of really solid NBA players in this draft, in addition to the top ten cats who all had moments. I mean, Gilbert Arenas had moments where he was flirting with MVP-type consideration. You know, like, he's averaging yeah. dang near 30 points a game. I mean, like, it's he was a second round pick and obviously his career didn't last very long, but, but, but when he was on, he was on. Uh, we got a call. Uh, do we have a call right now? Yeah. Davis? Gideon. Well, he's calling from 94. All right, Gideon. What's going on, brother? Hey guys. I, I just can't believe my mind is blown about Trent Hassel getting drafted before uh, Gilbert arena. And then I guess the other thing that came to mind um, Tyson Chandler, like I'm, I'm the latest NBA 2K game I have is NBA 2K 11, and I'm I have it on Wii, so it's not even that much fun. But I'm playing an association right now, and Tyson Chandler, like, is so good on the Mavericks. He was so good with the Mavericks, and I think he won a championship with them in the year the year they played Miami. I think. Uh, he he just was such a good player with them. Oh, what do you think of Tyson Chandler on the precipice of, a, of the Hall of Fame, as Andre just said? What do you think of that? <laughs> I, 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 I don't think so. I think that's going a little far. Um, like, yes, he was a solid rebounder, a solid defender, and uh, maybe even more than solid. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him in the ranks of a Dennis Rodman, but he did similar things for the teams he was on and helped make them successful, um, at least after his time with the Bulls. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for checking in. We appreciate it. Yet, yeah, but for for what I remember, Davis, I remember this. I, I remember the Bulls just being bad, right. just horrible with Tyson and Eddie. Just 
<laughs> and then you throw Jamal in. It's, uh, just so unfair. Bill Cartwright on the sideline. Oh, old Scotty Pippen comes back. It's so bad. I, yeah. I remember being in the locker room, and Sam Smith, the longtime writer with the Bulls, was like, um, so he goes, how do, how do you get out of this this losing streak, Tyson? And Tyson just looks down at five foot five Sam Smith and just screams, by any means necessary. <laughs> and like Sam Smith slowly turned off his recorder and walked out to the parking lot and left. <laughs> he just left. <laughs> he didn't know what to make of that. Like, what do you mean by no, any means necessary? Like, I think like Sam had a flashback of like 68. He just left. He was like, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> like he left. <laughs> yeah. You know, Chandler is one of the better. I, I guess I can put it like this. He's one of the best role players in NBA history. Like, he was an excellent role player. Now, you know, he wasn't the guy that you build your entire franchise around. Um, but then again, I don't think Tony Parker was either. But I think that Tony Parker was a, a great, you know, role player on a team that had Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili. And if Tyson Chandler would have been drafted to a team with Dirk Nowitzki, um, his career might be looked at in a different light. Actually, one of the best scorers on this, as we let you go, Dre, one of the best scorers on here that we overlooked is Earl Watson. And the reason why I know he's one of the best scorers is because his best score was Joy Taylor. All right, man, so uh, what's the next piece you're working on? Real shot. <laughs> what's the next piece you're working on, Vian.com? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping busy. Um, the hope is that the NBA is coming back next month. So I've been, you know, putting together – um, I've been on a few five-on-fives where we're talking about storylines to look for if the NBA comes back. And analytics-wise, I'm, I'm looking to see what can we expect from um, uh, from, from the, the best players in the league when they come back. And so that's kind of what I'm working on now. And I'm just crossing my fingers and toes, hoping that it actually happens. Well, then come back on the show. Now, away from our nonsense on this redraft, but we need to talk some, some NBA because, as you mentioned, it's right around the corner. A little bit more O'Connor conversation and more. So we look forward to that. <laughs> I can't do that. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. All right. Have a good one. There's Andre Snellings, our uh, analytics expert, who uh, makes fun of uh, Davis and I for our, our redraft for 2001. How about Gideon checking in? How about that? I like that. That was funny. <laughs> I had to, I was like, I got to pass this through. He's just ranting about Trent Hassel. <laughs> but for real, though, yeah. like, you see that Gilbert Arenas was going to be a good player. He's right there for you. And at I want to say his tournament, his tournament run that spring was, like, amazing. But, nah, you don't need that. Nah. I mean... <sighs> It's not even a fit situation. Look at the team. It's 2001. Imagine him scoring with Jamal Crawford and Tyson and Eddie and that roster. This is where the theme song fits perfectly. Only the Bulls. <laughs> Only <laughs> the Bulls. I'm doing sports radio from 19 years ago yelling about Trent Hassel. <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, though, like that's just, it's just part of the ridiculousness of uh, the Bulls. All right, coming up, baseball is back. But what does that mean for the long haul for the sport? We'll talk about it in two minutes right here on UTH. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.